sit down with the guys and talk about your real estate journey, just go to rondonsitdown.com. That's rondonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 298 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we're live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about, well, if you want emotional intelligence, and I haven't even been able to really figure out what emotional intelligence is, because I don't think I have it, but I want it. Uh, evidently, you can buy it at IKEA. So we'll get to that. Also, the eviction ban. Will this continue to expand? It seems like if people are allowed to stay at home, not pay the rent, then that means they don't have to go to work. And if they go to work, don't go to work, there's no one to make your coffee at the local Starbucks. We'll talk about that. Before we talk about that, though, let's talk about this. Last week, I shared with you that uh, my mom went through some breast cancer surgery. And so I went back to a place where Ron and I grew up and where we met. I was actually born in Chicago. But when I was a little boy, probably the age of my son, maybe a little bit younger, uh, we moved to New Mexico. My father was a truck driver in Chicago, fell off a truck, broke his back. And the doctor said, hey, maybe if you wear, uh, if you move somewhere, the climate's a little bit better. Maybe it'll be easier on your back over the years. So we ended up moving to New Mexico. My dad split, left my mom, four kids behind. And, uh, and, and I think that's about the time. That I met Ron and I started going to over his house and stealing bologna sandwiches. I became a father figure to you. Yeah, because they had bologna sandwiches, head cheese, uh, and spam. So I just went over there and, and, and ate and got my fill. We have so. never had head cheese in our <laughs> house ever. <laughs> anyway, I think it's so interesting. When you go back, we're, 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 you spent those, fi- those vital years, especially of going through puberty where you got your driver's license, the first time you fell in love. I went by the football field where you and I used to play football. I realized I have not stood on that field in 34 years. Uh, I went and got us some Eldorado Golden Eagle uh, t-shirts. I hope you got yours. I got mine. Yeah. yeah. And and it's interesting because in a lot, even though I'm 54 now, you're kind of 16, 17, 18 years old all over again. As, you're, as, as I was kind of driving around the city, I had some time uh, as my mom was kind of recuperating. And I was taking my son around to places where, and I showed him, I said, and he got a kick out of it. I said, hey, this is, you know, this is where I used to play football, or this is where we used to uh, jump on the tram. This is where I made out with a girl under the bleachers. Yeah, all that stuff. So my biggest thing too there is growing up, I remember like, I got to drive to the airport. Yeah. That's like, 30 minutes, like it seemed like it was forever. And like now, it's 17 minutes. You can't even get to the grocery store in Ballard in that amount of time. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. you can drive, you can do a lap all around Albuquerque, literally about 45 minutes. You can do a whole lap around the city. Anyway, I I, I was back there, and sometimes when I have some time, I'll look up some of my old friends. So I looked up my friend uh, Christy or my friend uh, Tom Casillas or my friend Mike. Just we grew up together. And so I'll get together, we'll go do a workout or have a cup of coffee, whatever it is. And while I was back there, I decided to look up, uh, and I don't know if you remember her, but this was really, this was my first like real love. Like this from a walk down memory lane. High school to college. And her name was Renee. I don't know if you remember Renee. Hey, she right. had blonde hair. She's the one that taught me to water ski. 
And in fact, when you and I used to teach at kids camp, when we were going from, from high school to college, you, Ron taught at a horse camp in Capitan, New Mexico, where Billy the Kid used to ride in the Lincoln National Forest. And, and there was a ranch there called the Lone Tree Ranch. And so Ron was, you ta- I thought, didn't you I teach? Did I repelling. You did repelling too. And, 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 and so then I did the water camp. And what was really interesting is Renee was just, she was, she's that first love. She, she was the first love of my life. She's really the first person I really had relations with when I was going into college. And I mean, I, I, it wasn't puppy. Like I loved her. Like I loved her. I was in love with her. Her father didn't love me though. And he had pulled me aside one time. They, they had, they had, he decided for some reason, I don't know why he broke the, the news to me this way. The family had grandparents in Norman, Oklahoma. So we went to Norman, Oklahoma, and then we came back, and and on the way back, uh, we we had stopped somewhere at a rest stop. And I had a blast in Norman, Oklahoma, and I met the grandparents. I'm eating chicken fried steak, and I'm like, wow, I, I'm, I'm in with the family. I'm probably going to marry, you know, you're 18, 19, and you're like, I'm probably going to marry into this family, and I'm thinking about what, it, what it's going to be like. And he let me know at this rest stop that I would not be in, involved in the family. And he, and he was very serious. He said, hey, I feel like she, because she was very good in track. He said, she's going to go on to be a track star. She's probably going to be in the Olympics. And he kind of looked at the pedigree of my life. And he just, he felt like I wasn't going to do much. And, and he let me know that. He said, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like, and he was a little over-involved in his daughter's life. He said, you're going to hold my daughter back. And... um and he said, I would, I would appreciate it if you stopped dating her. So, of course, I kept dating her. And then she ended up moving out. And we went on, I think, for another, uh, another year. So I ended up moving away. We broke up. We still remained friends. And then from time to time, I would go back in the summers and I would volunteer at this camp. And, and she would go down there and she would go water skin. Her, her parents had a place down there. And I remember one summer where I saw her out on the water, we reconnected. Have you ever reconnected like with one of your lost loves? We had this big reconnection. Uh, and, and probably it, not at a water camp, no. Yeah, so she would come over, and it wasn't even really a r- romantic connection. It was just this, this great friendship that we had. And she would come over, and she would teach some of the kids in the water camp how to, how to water ski when I was back there. So we would stay in touch from time to time. And then I thought when, it, when I was back in New Mexico, I said, you know what? What's old, good old Renee doing? Yeah. I lo- I, and I haven't told you this story. Uh, I, I lost touch with her. And I said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look her up. And so I looked her up. And How'd she do in the Olympics? She didn't make it to the Olympics. Hmm. You're going to feel like a jerk. Out popped her gravestone. Wow. It doesn't make me feel like a jerk. That was unexpected. Anyway, it said uh, it had her name in the year that she died. And then there was something that had been said. It was somebody had printed out the eulogy. And she had died when she was 38. Really? She had a daughter. She was married to a gentleman. Uh, by the name of Trey, and it it, it kind of just talked about her life and her love for track and her love for church and her love for family and her love for her daughter. So anyway, I'm I, I'm sitting there 
trying to process someone that I've loved and cared about is no longer in the world. They're just, they're no longer in the world. So I, dro- I drove to her house and I sat outside and I looked at the window that I used to always sneak in and out of when, when she still lived with her parents. I could tell that her parents still lived there because their boat was there, their jet skis were there. And then her father had a certain way, OCD of covering everything in blue tarp, just to, and everything with blue tarp and bungee cords. And everything was covered in, in blue tarp and bungee cords. So I did a little research. Her dad is still around. He's 82. Uh, mom is 81. Her her uh, her sister. Man, you some sleuthing around. time down what, there. What's that? That's some good good sleuthing. Yeah. Well, and this isn't a laughing matter to me. This isn't this isn't fun. And you can make fun of it if you want, but it's not funny to me. The the the. I went and I, 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 in, in later years when we had talked, she had said these things about her parents. So I went and I wrote these things down. And then I went back to her parents' house the following day. And I was thinking about getting some flowers. And she's been, she's dead now, 15 years. Thinking about getting these flowers. And I had this card and I wrote these things out. And I got out of the car. And then, and then my therapy kicked in. And then Priscilla's voice, our therapist, she would ask, is this about you or is this about them? And that's without calling her and asking. I just know that that's what Priscilla would ask me. Is this about you or about them? And I went, damn it, this is about me. I I am going to go up to the door. These are two parents that didn't like me. I'm going to knock on their door. I'm going to hand them a card. And I'm going to possibly trigger something for them that maybe is healed over the past 15 years, right? So I got back in the car. I was really proud of myself because I, I, I drove away. Uh, but after that, probably I haven't slept since. I, I, and I don't know what it means. And I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to process. Uh, but it's without being a, a victim in this, I have to say it's a little devastating. Like it's a little, like for your first love, it, 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 it's been a little devastating and I don't know what happened to her and I don't want to poke around and ask, but typically if something happens when you're 38, if it was cancer, they say in lieu of flowers and there was none of that. So there's really no explanation. Uh, and I don't think I deserve an explanation, but it is really, uh, it is, I'm really trying to process it, but I, I, it's hard to process when you don't know what you're processing, but coming back to a lighter moment, I was super proud of myself for not dropping the letter off. I'm, I'm proud of you as well. <laughs> cause I'm, you, cause you know me. Yeah. You, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it. Like yeah. that is a, that's a serious thing. It's existential in a lot of ways. And I think we can unpack that off the air if you want because i have some thoughts but oh you do okay. uh yeah i'm sorry for your loss yeah Thanks. sending sending some positive vibes you're right i'll take the vibes and i'll see you on the other side of this when it comes to your real estate journey ron and don can help you buy sell or invest in real estate it all starts with a ron and don sit down hi i'm dan martin hey i'm connor my son wanted to get out of pullman and he was thinking well where could i live where i could be close to a ski area 
and thought, well, let's start looking in Seattle. And had grown to trust the image of Ron and Don, you know, doing their, their advocacy for all the charities and stuff that they do. And I thought, well, they seem like good guys. Let's go for it. So I've got two Alaskan Malamutes. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for. And being that it was a house for me and the dogs, that they zeroed in on fenced yard, basement access, if possible. It felt really good knowing that they were looking for what I was looking for or what we were looking for. We looked at our figures and looked at, at stuff. We thought, OK, we can afford to offer this amount. And we were way low. So when it came to this one, Ron and Don said, if we go in hot with a decent offer, and he learned that this house had an offer on it, he said, if we go in at this amount, we think we can jump ahead and have people close before uh, they intended to. And sure enough, it worked out. I don't think we would have like necessarily found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, a, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. We wouldn't have gotten this house if they hadn't shown the energy and I guess using their skills and everything to make it happen. It wouldn't have happened. We would have still been looking around and every weekend being underbid. They seemed very enthused for, uh, you know, a deal to get done and for us to be successful. That felt really good. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward. And uh, you know, I definitely would recommend them. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Well, there's nothing like these two in the great Pacific Northwest. Thank goodness. We do want to thank you for listening to the Ron and Don Radio Show, which is brought to you by Les Schwab and Ron and Don, who are licensed brokers at Windermere. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And again, uh, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. If you need us, uh, if you need us as friends or you need us as realtors or you need us as both, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com and we'll figure out a way we can start to sit down virtually and then uh, we can get together see you or you can come see us sound good all right just you can also always write ron ron at windbear.com and we can send you our buyers and sellers uh playbook it it seems like the eviction band in the in the country everybody keeps punting on i think one of the reasons why politicians are afraid to cancel it especially on the democratic side is because they feel like it's going to cost them votes in the midterm election and at the same time does the eviction ban and I'll just ask you this question, Ron, without filling all the blanks first. Do, do, does the eviction ban, does it need to be canceled or do we need to continue to extend this as long as we see variants with uh, with the coronavirus? I mean, to me, these are questions of fairness, compassion and, you know, government inadequacy. And the reason why I say that is, is nobody wants... I think you'd have to be cold hearted to say, throw a bunch of families out into the street. Like nobody, people get that jobs have been lost. Careers have been shaken. Everybody understands that. Here, here's the rub for me on this. Right now, it's the mom and pop landlords that have been left holding the bag. $47 billion has been approved for rental assistance in America. That money is supposed to go to land to landlords that have not been paid rent. $47 billion. How much of that has actually made it through the system? I think something like $2 billion. So a fraction of that money has made it through the system. So the big banks are not saying, hey, mom and pop person that owns a duplex, don't worry about it. They send that mortgage payment every month. Hey, pay this 
payment. I looked into that mortgage forbearance thing uh, because I have multiple properties. And, I, you know, this sounds like first world problems. But I looked into it when it, the, it first happened. I was like, hey, if there's, a, if there's a government program that will allow me to suspend some payments for a while while we figure out what this pandemic means and then just tack them on to the end of my loan, that, that seems like a great plan. And so I looked into it, actually applied for it. And then when I read the fine print and talked to some actual mortgage brokers, like, no, that's not what it says. They publicized that. But in, once it got passed into law, they added it back in that, no, as soon as the, the forbearance program's over, you owe one lump sum payment uh, to your lender for the amount. I was like, well, that's not, that how does that help you? Right. If 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 I get forbearance for six months and now I got to pay thirty five thousand dollars or whatever the the lump sum was going to be mm. like that doesn't help anybody yeah and so right now so in if if I'm if I'm following that line the the eviction notice should end the moratorium needs to end sometime we got to rip a bandaid off sometime it it should end now if I go to the other side and said well if the government actually did what the was passed. And got this money to the proper people, I think a, a vast chunk of those mortgage holders, the mom and pop people would be, they'd be okay with it. They're not cold hearted people. Like, hey, all I care about is staying current on my mortgage. And so if the government is, is approved 47 billion, if I'm getting my money and I can, it's not like they're taking a vacation on it. They're passing it on to the, to the banks. So that's where it breaks down to me. Is, is the government passes 47, they've doled out two. In the meantime, they keep extending it for families. And to your point that you always go back to, yes, there's a percentage of those people that are taking advantage of the system. Of course there are. I think the majority of people are not. They are legitimately have, have gone through hard times. Um, but if you can't, if you're not going to disperse the monies to the, to the parties that deserve the money under the, the program you passed, then what are we talking about? Yeah, you know what's really hard is uh, I have a place that has a long-term renter in there. This woman worked in the service industry. She lost her job in the service industry. And so I contacted her and I just said, hey, we'll, we're going to work with you. And so through the process, she decided to go out and get two dogs to keep her company. And one of the dogs is a Rockweiler. Uh, and the other dog is a pit bull. And so she has these two dogs and they are tearing the crap out of this apartment. And they're doing the same thing in the yard. They all over the yard, all over the sidewalk. There's other people there that rent and live there. And she knows that she doesn't have to pay. And she knows there's n nothing I can do to get her there's, there's nothing I can do, even though her dogs are tearing the crap out of this place and literally crapping everywhere. I had to go over there with, with just bleach and uh, spray machines and just spray it all down. And because it's been so hot and flies and where the dogs poop, they also urinate. And she, do, she doesn't walk the dogs. She doesn't exercise the dogs. So she just leaves the gate closed and she lets them out. And then they just, they do everything they want everywhere, including chew the gate. And I, I can't imagine what it's going to look like when we go in that apartment. And, and the difficulty is I, I can't evict her. Uh, 
and and she she can literally do anything she wants to that apartment right now, and I have no no recourse. You and I have a client right now that's a very well known lawyer here in Seattle, and he owns a home that he's owned for a long time, and he'd like to sell it, even if he was the primary owner. And other places around the country, if you're the primary, you're going to move in, and that's that's going to be your primary home then you can ask the people to legally leave and they have 90 days to get out and they have to leave. In the city of Seattle, if you go out and you buy something if and, and you say, hey, I'm going to leave where I'm living and that's going to be my primary and there's somebody in there right now and they're using this eviction moratorium in the city of Seattle, you can't get them out. You can't, even if it's your primary. So you could buy a home, expect to move in there with your family, but if there's somebody in there not paying the rent, they don't have to leave, and they can tear the crap out of your property right now. So this is a very, very rough time for landlords. I'll give you the final say. Yeah, I mean, it has to end sometime. When do we want it to end? It's exacerbated about the what I feel like we talk about ad nauseum, which is had everybody gotten vaccinated, the economy could open up a lot faster, and people could get back to work and start to normalize things. The yeah. fact that people are not getting vaccinated, all it's doing is adding gasoline to this fire. Do you think anyone heard my seltzer bottle? No, it's perfectly soundproofed. <laughs> See you on the other side. Hey, what's going on, Ron and Don Nation? This is Therese, a new team member on Ron and Don team. It's tough out there for buyers right now, and that's why you need a buyer specialist like me. Let's send you a buyer's playbook. And for you sellers, we have a seller's playbook. Reach out to the team and let's do a sit down and we'll get you these playbooks. Just reach out to us at ronanddonsitdown.com and we'll schedule a sit down today. Now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don show. Uh, I've been out on uh, some dating sites here after uh, COVID. And one thing that, that women also s- often say they want from men is they want us to be emotionally intelligent. And I'm like, I'm emotionally intelligent. And then women will ask me, are you emotionally intelligent? I'm like, Hell yeah, I'm emotionally intelligent. And then and then I've said to myself, what the hell is emotionally intelligent? So then I've looked out online what, what emotional intelligence is, and what I found out is I'm not even close to emotionally intelligent. Let me tell you something that I do all the time that you're not supposed to do if you're emotionally intelligent. And I noticed this through when I, when I shared with people that my mom – uh, had a uh, a second scare with breast cancer, and so it's it's one of the reasons why I went back to New Mexico, my son and I, to to be with her for a procedure that she was having. And what you're not supposed to do is if I tell Ron, "Hey, Ron," if Ron says, "Hey, Don, what's what's going on?" Well, I'm going back to New Mexico. I want to share something with you. My mom has breast cancer, and it's a really hard time. An emotionally intelligent person would say, well, tell me more about that. Or what does that feel like? Or what are you going through? Or what, do you, what, 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 what scares you the most? I don't do that. What I do and what you're not supposed to do and what Ron's not supposed to do is go, oh, yeah? I, I totally understand what you're going through because my mom has, and I'm not saying she does. I'm not saying Alice does. But my mom has breast cancer too. And then you start telling the story about your person that has right. That is not emotionally intelligent. And I've looked at that and go, I have done that a million times in my lifetime because I thought what I was trying to do is find common ground. 
And emotional intelligence will say it, it, it's not about finding common ground. It's really about leaning in and, and making sure that somebody feels heard, right? So I got a lot of work to do because I, I have not done that at all. Uh, so I'm going to work on that. And then maybe I'll go back on the dating apps once I, once I have emotional intelligence. <laughs> Can you buy it somewhere for like 1995? I would love it if you could. Uh, not that I am yeah. aware of. Yeah. So I was reading the, I'm reading everything I can now about emotional intelligence. And I sent you a story the other day. It's like, hey, O'Neill, if you want emotional intelligence, just do what Ikea does. Well, I'm interested to hear how you parse that through the lens of emotional intelligence. <laughs> Because the article you sent me is about how people invest in tasks. Yeah. And they say the IKEA effect is, at least the way I read it, and maybe there's something I missed. Uh, the IKEA effect is if you have something uh, and you get to be part of the process of solving the problem, yeah. you're more invested in it and you're happier with the result. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you make assemble that dresser, even if there's a part left over or it's not perfectly square, you feel like the dresser's great because you assembled it. Yes. Um, even if it's not 100%. So I don't know how that, how does that overlay with emotional intelligence? Well, the, the, when, when, it, when it comes to like my son, this is, this is, this is true because we've been trying to explore things that he's interested in and things that he's like, that he likes. And then also, it's been important for to me because I didn't really grow up understanding how to use tools. And so I want him to understand not only how to use tools, but also, so we got, we got, there's a desk in his room and he doesn't know this. It's a girl's desk. Okay. It's a girl's desk. I don't know if, what's the difference between a girl's desk. And a I'm just going to say it's a girl's desk. Uh, so we got this desk and he looks at it, he goes, daddy, this is kind of a girl's desk. I'm like, no, no, no. So we, we had to talk about what a girl's desk is and that's a whole emotional intelligence thing there too. So, uh, so anyway, we, we, we had this desk and normally what I would do is I would just throw the whole desk together and then there probably would be a couple parts left over, but at least we have a desk and maybe a drawer that goes in and out that's crooked. Uh, but at least we have a desk. And, and, and so what we decided to do is that we were going to build this desk together. So in building this desk together, we began to have conversations about what, why, why is this considered a girl's desk? And what's a girl's desk versus a boy desk? And there's some emotional intelligent things to learn in there. Also, while you're building this, there's a sense of pride in what you're building. But then we also started asking ourselves, where did this desk come from? Who created this desk? Who invented this desk? Who's on the other side of all these packages that we get in the mail? I wonder what their lives are like. I wonder if there's girl desk and boy desk in Thailand where this came from. And what is it like for people that live in Thailand that are creating desks for girls and boys that are going through COVID that live in the United States? And then we would pull out uh, and we would jump online and we would look at places like Thailand and we would see that there were boys and girls his age that weren't going to school. They weren't allowed to go to school, but that they were working in factories. And then we began to wonder what it would be like to work in that factory. Then we began to wonder what it would be like to be here on the other end of all this work that other people had done for us. So we could just sit there and easily snap together a desk. So in that sense, Building that desk that came from Ikea, because that's where it's from, this quote-unquote girl's desk, it began to create questions uh, about 
having emotional intelligence, not just about being an American, uh, but about being a world citizen. And so that's something that we're working on right now. How can we be better world citizens versus just being a good American? I have a girl's desk too. (laughs) Uh, Okay, more on the other side. I think that's segment three. So if you want to lock it out, what's that? I think that was the third segment. Oh, okay. Hey, coming up uh, on the Roddy Dodge. If you just leave this in, uh, did you know that QAnon's rebranding? No, like we're supposed to just wrap up the show. I know we'll be talking about that. Okay. I was teasing the next show. I was teasing episode two ninety nine. All right, won't you tune in for that? Two ninety nine is a gangbuster. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for listening to episode 298. We really appreciate that. And also, thanks for embracing us when it comes to your real estate journey and also allowing us to be your friends and be your broadcasters. Invite us into your living rooms and the gyms, uh, maybe on an airplane, wherever you're listening to this. Thanks for sharing this with other people. And uh, also, thanks for giving us five-star reviews and writing something really great. Uh, That really helps us. And thanks for hitting subscribe. That way you get the show every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If you don't have our newsletter, go to ronandonsitdown.com. You'll hear from us one time a week. We have some great real estate tips in there. We tell you about all the neighborhoods of Seattle. And if you need to sit down with us, it tells you how you can do that too. And how you can get a free Ron and Don Camp mug. How about that? Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time for episode 299. Did you know QAnon's rebranding? Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>